Oh, man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so this is the first time we're recording a pod immediately after an interview. Yeah. And our interview process, it's it's kind of like a um, kind of like an FBI interrogation. That's literally what I was going to say. We, we bring in our guests, yeah. and what we do is we want to make them as uncomfortable as possible. We first we 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 drug them up. Yeah. And then we hook them to a sonograph. Is that a sonograph? What's it? Is that the thing that the, is that the light detector earthquake thing? Sonogram. I'm thinking sonogram. That's babies. We hook them up to an we, ultrasound. We unintentionally impregnate them to. We hook them up to an ultrasound. <laughs> it's a really messy process. Yeah, but we bring yeah, them in there, and there's yeah. so we, we turn on the heat lamps to the max. And after <laughs> after six hours, we come in and um, what do we, what what song is that we all we play on a loop for them for the whole the whole time? What song was that? And then over the top of it is Somebody once told me And then it's just The greatest anthem of all time It's Yeah, and that we repeat that for hours and hours and hours our deity And um, yeah, and they have it They seem to just love it it was it was really great, and I think one thing that this podcast, at least, I think is going to have a lot of value in is as we are continually spiraling into a society where we submit to sound bites and 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 talking points, that we lose the platform to have really deep conversations and and long form conversations that can transform, that you can synthesize ideas, that you can maybe have a thought that you've never had before and work it out in front of other people. And when that happens, you like, you learn a lot. And I think that Mike and I, and I assume you too, Trevor, we learned a lot today. Just oh, I didn't learn anything. Well, you I'm were teaching. A, I we, just, we were I taking notes. Yeah, if you remember the interview, uh, they never spoke. <laughs> It was it was literally just me just just lecturing rage venting. Uh what's that what's that uh that comedian's name? Bill Burr? No. Yes. <laughs> rage venting. Well that that guy that he's yelling, ah, oh, Joe Rogan loves him. What's his name? I can't remember. What's 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 one of his famous bits? Uh, I don't know. I'm still learning about comedy history, so I haven't I've only learned about him through Joe and through Joe's experience of him. So I don't have a very strong associate with Asian with him yet. But he used to go, he used to always yell, yell like this. And he was like, you're done. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> he just was like one of the first angry comics. I forget who it was, but. Anyway, I feel you. There. But it was like that, except pod. not funny. And but, I just, I yelled at it, I guess, the whole time. Yeah. And I think he learned his lesson. He, he, he will learn a day. But learn a day. It, was, it was an interesting conversation. It's mm. nice to talk, talk things out and try to figure out what on earth we're doing. And so just like some of our previous guests, he had, he's finished a thing, he's released an album, and what's next? <laughs> yeah. But now we also have, uh, just to get sidetracked, um, and we'll somehow tie this all together into something cohesive. We actually have a new guest on the pod today. It is. Oh, yeah. You want to say this... hi, Shiloh? Oh, now he's shy. He's just licking me. Oh, he's come a... on, Shiloh. You're on the mic. ASMR, dude. You got to get, get him up. 
Get him rough, rough with oh, the now he's shy. Away. Now he's shy. He's just. So looking we have down. a very. He's cute. like, no, I it's don't our first be. pup of the pod. First. So I hope if you can only? send us photos of your, your your pups, no, I can't deal with them. Oh, okay, I can barely yeah. handle this little little cute yeah. pie. Yeah, send us pictures of your pups, man. But we have our first pup of the pod right now. He is inches from the mic, and I don't know if I'll be able to edit that out. But one of the things we're always talking about is you know doing the thing, trying you know. How do people go about creating things? Do they do a schedule? Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about exercise, eating, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. books, uh, booty pics. Yeah, and I think something that's really helped besides those. Got you have. I think the dog's gonna help. Catalog, and I think I think that uh, having a little dog's gonna help, partially with the schedule. I've never been great with any consistent schedule and now mm. that I have to get up mm-hmm. otherwise I'm going to be cleaning poop off my floor yeah that's I'm, a good incentive I'm now incentivized to take care of this I'm not going to poop on my floor but have you tried it it's liberating it's liberating it's like you own your space this is my space this, this is my shit dude it's my space that's actually all <laughs> myspace.com is anymore oh it's just, it's just where you shit it's where you shit <laughs> that should be their slogan it's good branding. The My social space. media platform where you shit. MySpace. <laughs> it's where you shit. Uh, but isn't that Olive Garden's slogan? Like maybe oh, it's already copyrighted. Breadsticks. Oh, breadsticks. oh man. We don't want to get I'm not sued. kidding. Actually, no, I, I think Olive Garden no, actually tastes good. I'm sorry. Nah, I mean, unpopular opinion. I'm indifferent. You're indifferent. <laughs> I'm you can't indifferent. be neutral on the war of breadsticks and man. And I just couldn't. It's just carbs. Big but, carb. but anyway, what uh what Mike said that was very interesting and, and indicative of, I think, a lot of us is that it takes so much work to make a big piece of content, like a mm-hmm. mixtape or an album or put on a, a song concert. or put on a concert. And uh, what do you do when you don't have any of those things coming up? And that's literally been my life. I haven't had really that many concerts showing up. Not compared to like New York, because I had to busk, I had to do weddings, I had to do this. But here I have so much downtime that I never Same. had space to actually create something. And then how do you document your downtime is super important. And, and that's not an answer I know how, that's not a question that I know how to answer. But we talked about it and we we like, we kind of addressed that in the in the pod. And I think that was really cool. Yeah. it's It was interesting to hear him talk so openly about how he's not sure how the process works. Yeah. And, you know, you and me, we like, we read these articles, we read these books and strategies, biographies, mm-hmm. how other people have gone about doing these types of things. And I think uh, it was nice to see hear someone just so honest that he's like, I have no idea. How yeah, exactly. Happens. And I've yeah. heard other grades. There's an older, just sticking within the kind of old, like contemporary classical, um, Yehudi Weiner, he won a, won a Pulitzer back in the day. He's kind of, a, you know, an old soul. Really nice. Really great to hear. Not many people outside the small circle would know who who he is, but um, he was the teacher of my teacher, uh, Robert Beezer. And one of the things he always talked about was the blank slate. And he, he said, he's, he's like, I don't know what I do. Every piece is reinventing the wheel. And for him, that was the process, was going in there, the unknown. And for others... It might be strict systems. It might be getting creativity out of there, like trying to not worry about creativity. 
Um, depends on what you want to do because yeah. they're musicians. Like a lot of times we're trained, at least as classical musicians, mm-hmm. to play our instruments well. And so if you figure that out, that's actually super simple. And you could very easily check out and be doing that for the next 25 years yeah. and then realize, oh, but I'm not really fulfilled. What do I have to say? And then you have to flip that switch and realize, yo, uh, what does a mu- if I were to be a musician that actually made their own music, what would that look like? Because if if you want to make songs, you need to write a lot, and oh, I don't write geez. it all. I you know what I mean? Write. I barely write. I'm like afraid. I don't know what to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. I know what I do is bad. But you just gotta do it. You gotta sit down and just write whatever's on your soul. And at least lyrics, know? like that's why, that is why I team up with yeah. uh, our, our one of our earlier guests, Chris Hendricks. Mm-hmm. For me, he's he's my lyricist. Now I go to. I realize I'm uncomfortable. He's your with Gerda. It. Yeah, you're a Schubert. Exactly. He's mm-hmm. the Gerda to my loins. Ooh. And he. Oh, ladies. He ladies. he's the expert at that. But one thing he does is he does the thing. Mm-hmm. He goes in there, and he can just crank out amazingly. I could never come up with such a simple but poignant song, and he did it in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And if I told him, hey, I just didn't like it. Give me something else about a beach ball. He would come out with a profound beach ball love story. But he, he took years to develop That's that. That's what I'm saying. Is and he you thinks can. about it. He did it. But how did how does he get there? By doing By it. doing yeah. By trying, and so and you can get there too, Trevor. Yeah. Like that's what I kept thinking during the podcast. You kept bringing up Chris, mm-hmm. and I think he's brilliant. You could and, do, it. and, and I think you that. can be brilliant too. Mm-hmm. Not even he's, but <laughs> I'm saying, and you can be brilliant, but you have to do what he did or do what he does, do what mm-hmm. a songwriter does, and just you got to get your worst work out there. And the advantage you know, in the universe is is that I get to see him. Having done that, and that's what I think is really nice about having some of these guests and us listening in on other people's interviews mm-hmm. and people who have gone on and done great things. You get to be around them. Uh, I won't. I'll never forget this. It was the first couple of weeks at Juilliard. Mm-hmm. We went to I think the first. There was a composition concert or whatever, and it was one of. The earlier ones, maybe it was, you know, a celebration of this person or that person. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, there were a lot of bigger name, bigger name people at this event uh, within the composition world. And all the Juilliard teachers were there, the well-known names, your Christopher Rouse, John Corigliano, and Kevin Putz was in town Mm -hmm. um, and happened just to be at this concert. He had just recently won a Pulitzer within the past few years. Just is a kind of a delightful person to be around. He's very attractive. He's a very hot man. And he's very personable. He's very personable. And I'll, I won't forget, we're standing there. We're, me and my friend group, we go up to him. We're like, hey, you know, it's great to see you at this concert. And we're chatting with him. And he teaches at another good school, Peabody Conservatory. And he, he just mentioned to us, he's, he's like, you guys, you know, it's just great you're here. It's great you're here. And just to, just to be around these. And we asked him, well, what were your lessons like with Christopher Rouse back in the day? Uh, and at that time, several of the Juilliard teachers, Rouse and Samuel Adler, were at Eastman, another great institute. And so Kevin had gone to Eastman, then Yale, then back to Eastman for all his degrees. And we asked him, you know, what was that like going in there, just being around him? What were lessons like? And he said, you know, 
it's not really, you know, what they say or the little things you remember. So like, I don't really remember what all we like talked about in lessons, but it was just great to be around them and just to see someone who's good at something do it, work. And that was a very real thing that I could tell was honest. They probably, you know, goofed off in lessons, probably didn't do too much technical things. And that's not what stuck. What stuck was just simply being in the room, witnessing other great people work, and then inspiring him to go on and do it. Yeah. And that's the that's the old apprenticeship model. It wasn't the internship model like, hey, do this. It was offloading some work, but really just Watch me do my thing and pick up on and it. And pick up on it. And then I'll like show you a little bit. Oh, you see what I did there? You like that? I saw you smirk. This is how it did it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, facts. Okay, I'm going to do that when I go home to write after my apprenticeship. And I think that's the key here is like your apprenticeship manifests itself in many different facets in your life. A lot of times at school, but when you're out of school, your apprenticeship might even just be your job, whatever you're doing to put food on the table. And the lessons you get from that job is what informs your art. But you have to sit and you have to listen to yourself and you have to like maybe not put on, maybe not, maybe turn your phone off, leave it in another room and just sit for like set a timer for about 10 minutes and just see what happens. I'm I'm very bad about that. I recently saw a friend a friend of the pot making putting up barriers to make it harder for you to do the bad habit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if it's the power of habit. Well, one of those books, you know, what's a yeah, simple yeah, actionable thing? Yeah. It's you know, uh, it's make good habits easier to do. Make bad habits harder to do. Reading the addiction formula by James Clear. That, that's a really that good book. That might have actually been. That's a really good book about yeah. habits. Because I haven't read either of those, but I've listened to the Did I say the addiction inter- formula? Atomic Habits is what it's called. Sorry. Oh, that's in my list. Sorry. Addiction formula is the music. Sorry. The music. Uh, Atomic addiction. It's where you eat atom- uh, no, uh, nuclear waste. <laughs> mm, I... Mm. Oh, I'm irradiated. If oh. you ate nuclear waste, what what's you'd be some crazy superhero. If I I would hope, what I would hope if I ingested nuclear waste was that I just became static shock immediately. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. Just like control electricity and stuff. Like I could just touch my phone and it's fully charged again. <laughs> you know, let's just run some electricity. It's the little things. It's the it's little tiny superpower. things. You know, if if Camera battery uh, if, if a girl, if if I catch my girl, you know, sending Snapchat pics to other guys, you know, I just snap my fingers and her phone explodes. You know, just the little things. You know, when your ladies being, when your ladies, you know, and you just out, have you electric- destroy all her technology. You just bring down the entire. You universe. just talk to machines. Let me destroy her Facebook page. You invent the Matrix. She was never on Instagram. There is no. She's Instagram. gonna have to start over. Delete. Human civilization. Begins again. Yeah, and then and then I would just like post on social media remotely, and ev- and I would just show up on everybody's feed. You just scroll like it would just all be an ad. Follow that viola, and, just, and it's just the and same everybody's photo posting too. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's just spam. <laughs> it's like V V for Vendetta, but it's just you you like with your shirt it's off. It's just it's just me playing my viola without a shirt on. <laughs> And, and most people are like, nah, son, but a couple people be, be like, like, V for viola. You should just wear a Guy Fox mask and just play viola and be V for viola. Yeah, and just like, just rebrand everything. God, what were we talking about? We were talking about. I re- what did I do? Habits. Oh, yeah, habits. Yeah, they're good. 
Yeah. Oh, but a friend, uh, even notes. today, uh, her name is uh, Nilu, great composer. She puts, she just puts her phone on the top of the fridge when she knows she needs to do something. That's that's, that's the thing. I would forget it. Just it's put up the there phone. And freak out for like three hours. Oh my god! Because you when you never looked at. But it's such an an odd place. Here's what's even better. Good. I think what it works for her is she knows where it is when it's not where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Having a secondary location to put your phone <laughs> that's consistent yeah. is good. Secondary Because then at location. least you can find it. Yeah. Because my my roommate, bless his heart, he'll be on the pod, friend of the pod, Winton. Uh, bless his heart. He just loses stuff all the time. Oh, and my God. Just, I, we all know. We all have a lose a loser friend who he's, loses. He's the... Not even, not even jesting. He's one of the winningest person. His name is Winton. Win, dude, that's super win weird. a ton. All I do that's is win, win, ton, ton, no matter what. what. I got money on the grants. Went. Um, oh, I, nice. I bought a Ooh, house. Bars. I bought a house and pay me rent. Yeah, he's gonna be on. I the killed bottom. a mouse. That's what you get. <laughs> I, don't know. I wear a blouse. This rhyme is shit. Uh. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, I'm a bouse. I'm going to edit this together really quickly it, so it, it sounds it like sounds we really did good. it instantly. I'm a bouse. We get the fifth. We plead the fifth. Oh, there we go. And flouse your teeth. <laughs> flouse or floss like Fortnite dance. <laughs> Flossing on him. But anyway, man, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of, we had a really good conversation with Mike and I'm just having trouble because it was so recent. I haven't synthesized a lot of it. But, but that's something we talk about, synthesis. What, what I, yeah, and what I, gain, what I gain from it, I guess, is like, you know, he's the opposite side of the spectrum of us. He doesn't spend all his days reading articles and, and, and reading books and, and just listening Sounds to podcasts. Incredible. I mean, he's, he, he really is music in such a profound way that I need to emulate in some way. I need more balance in my life. Mm-hmm. And I do need more car rides where I just don't do anything except drive and let Have you noticed? Free. I've had this thought recently where I noticed somewhat in the self-aware sense of where I have those out-of-body kind of experiences mm-hmm. where I'm, I realize I'm not on my phone and I'm just thinking and being. Mm-hmm. And one is the shower. Yes. Dishes. Shower, dishes. The other one, it's it's an odd place where you should be on a phone because everyone else is. At airports, for some reason, the the mind does, my mind doesn't trigger oh, really? to get on my phone. Oh. And so all I, I sit there. And I just I'm observe because it's the worst. Phone. It's the worst place to to be. But I realized I'd sit on a plane, and before, unless it's in the sky, I wouldn't pull it out. And so I'd sit there and observe people. I'm just unhappy like a the creeper. whole time. From the moment yeah. I get in the Uber to the airport to the moment I get off the plane, and for maybe a few hours after, I'm in the worst mood. I just hate. That, well, because they it's suck. Just, it sucks. They sucks. But for some reason, I don't know why. Maybe I'm looking out. You know, I feel like I need to pay attention. Mentally, it's not a conscious thing. I realize that for some reason, I love, I just, not I love, I don't check my phone when I'm at an you airport. Shouldn't. Which is weird. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, look at this cute little puppy. How's it good? Oh, <laughs> he had his eyes closed. Oh, he's chilling in the lap. Pup of the pot. Let me, let me Pup see of the that. Pot. Oh my god! Will you get a wide one for Amy? Will you just take one for Amy? A photo, just so she can see. I'll send it to you later. All right, dope. See, this is what happens when you get a dog. 
in the pot. He just he's and he's a cute one. Away. But he's, so it's annoying how cute yeah, he is. Anyway, he's just so annoyingly cute. So so yeah, I I, I got a little distracted too because I saw a couple texts from Jesse. Okay. Uh, yeah, I love these lessons. I love this podcast. I love talking, and and I also wanted to touch on the fact that we have to be cognizant of people that are listening to this. Like you who are listening to this, I don't know what your life is like. I probably, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And 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 the thing. <laughs> And the thing is, is like, I do want to also highlight actionable things because we're all at different stages of our development. Some people still need to go and practice. Some people need to still go and discover what it is that they want to do. Yeah. And I hope that these conversations at least give you some sort of like roadmap or some idea that nobody has it figured out. Actually, the people that you see on Spotify or on Instagram, they, they don't they do know not. what they're, they don't know what they're <laughs> do. We're artists, dude. They do not have it figured out. And being an artist today requires that you're a PR, PR agent, publicist, composer, lyricist, producer, social media manager, uh, videographer, photographer, editor, uh, and I'm not even listing things like you have to also be a good host and you have to be empathic. And there's just so many skills that you have to develop to do these things well mm-hmm. that if you're not good at a couple of them, that's okay. I mean, you can work on it. Something else we we talked about and then we can just simply take it further since the, all of our listeners are very good listeners. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> and they and they heard it. But the the Bill Gates idea of of delegation where you need to know what the the best leaders kind of know in a sense what your job is about and that they could do some of it, but they've delegated it. They're not going to control you. Mm-hmm. They're they want to get someone better at that thing than they were. Bill Gates is not doing the programming for Microsoft anymore. Mm-hmm. He's not. And now he's not doing a lot of the business things. He's not. He's got better people under him to take care of this mm. on all aspects. Younger but he did too. know enough about running a business, about and he passed programming. The torch. He passed the and torch. And he passed it. And he knew enough to know who to fuck. To, not to fuck. Who to fuck. Well, yeah, and fuck. I mean, it's important <laughs> he, he knew to know enough who to fuck. Who to yeah. fuck. But, yeah, that's um, pretty important. He knew enough to understand what that role would take. And I think a lot of places, that's where you have issues with bosses or where companies might not work out is when they forget, either they get too far and they for, they lose hindsight in what a job is or they don't under, really understand what somebody's role is in a company. Mm-hmm. And that's where people will get lost. And they'll, they'll keep giving you, yeah. you, your boss just giving you task after task or too much and you tell them it's too much. They're not quite getting it. They might have lost sight of what you need to do. Mm-hmm. They might not be listening. Mm-hmm. And... You know, maybe you're an employee and you could be doing better at your job, whatever that may be. Maybe you've lost sight of some aspect of that. And we're all blind. We all have our blind spots. And that's why it's important to have friends and have people that you trust to, like, give you real criticism and be like, yo, man, you're doing great things. I looked on your website, though, and I don't see any live shows. When you Are you performing live? That's, like, actually something you should do. Yeah. You should get on that. And then I'm like, oh, because I have friends. Like, my, you should go on tour, dude. I'm like, but I, I think you should you should go on tour. See, like right here, <laughs> it's like you should go on tour. I'm like, I don't have any music. They're like, then get to it. Get to yesterday. it yesterday. And that's like, I, I'm receiving that, and so I'm working on it. But yeah, it's like 
it takes sometimes it takes people who are looking outside from the outside in to and this, really see what, this is something where we kind of get out of this but one of the hard parts post school is that you don't have that private teacher anymore yeah. there's some benefits you're less mm-hmm. stressed mm-hmm. but there are a lot of negatives because you don't have someone over multiple years overlooking you Mm-hmm. And giving you guiding you guidance or advice, mm-hmm. even on regular life things. Speed I was not back. a great private student ever. I was really good at academics and classroom mm-hmm. learning, but I didn't. I was not a great private student. I just didn't do enough work. But even still, when I'd come in and I wouldn't have enough done or I hadn't practiced enough, they were able just to be around. Prince, my bassoon teacher was was incredible, Michael Burns. Just to be around him for any any life things. Mm-hmm. Again, being in his presence, seeing how he went about balancing such a busy career and yet still deeply caring about his students and their success and who they are as people and what's best for them. Uh, it was something to look up to. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I learned how to be a better teacher by being around a better teacher. Mm-hmm. One thing that I really miss is now I I don't have that type of figure. And, so, and that's, I think, when people kind of hit the darkness post-school, yes, they're out of a system. Yes, they're in the big bad world. Yes, they got to figure out money. But I think a tough aspect that we miss that most people don't get through college in non, really not even non-arts, but non-music degrees. Mm -hmm. Most organizations, you don't have a long-term mentor until you're in a science PhD and you're working in one person's lab. Mm -hmm. They think about it. If you go study biology, do you have the same teacher for four years? No. No. We have an advantage to kind of have a relationship with someone who's not a parent Mm. or who's not some other type of leader Mm. in the field. We get a close once a week session with someone else who should be watching out for us as people, Mm. not just artists. And I realized that while I didn't do a great job of having them in school and doing all the things they said and taking advantage of those lessons as much as I could have, it did help to just have someone you know, nudge here, a nudge there, how to go about it. And if you can, if you're listening, if you can, try to find a mentor in some way. There is value. I'm kind of looking for one. I think I get some of that by having you in here Mm -hmm. and being able to talk it out. Mm -hmm. We meet several times and we get to talk about these things. So it's somewhat like a mentor. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's just like somebody bounce off because a big aspect of learning is like, Feedback. Mm-hmm. And when you have some feedback, you can get a reflection of, oh, should I do this? Oh, yes. More? Oh, more? Oh. <laughs> 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 and let's go one level beyond. <laughs> but <laughs> wow, I almost choked on my own spit. But that's the idea. It's like, you need to understand if you're going in another direction and your perspective is so limited. It's mm-hmm. so limited and we have to be okay with that. Yeah. And you do need feedback and that's why community is so important and that's what we're trying to build here with the Faking Fam. It's like a community of people that like they get it. Like nobody's perfect. We're all just trying to get through the next day and become a little better. And I saw what it was like without that type of mentor or someone it's, helping it's out. Dark. It's hard. Yeah. And I it's one of those things you realize looking at others and we get to see it up close. Um good friend of the pod, not to say his name, but great film composer, he's incredible. He's a genius for his his 
his age, mm -hmm. he works so hard. Mm -hmm. And one aspect, besides just working hard and being really smart at the technical things while also being very smart at the musical things to achieve his success artistically, he's had a lifelong mentor. That was one of the wisest things he did. I have Perspectives. Another, another good friend. Yeah, she's got She'd great be great on here. She's much, she made her own game. I. She's the, one of the first people I hung out with out in L.A. Okay. But Who's great it? keeps herself. Her name's Megan Carnes. Okay. But a very, she's a very. She's tuckered out. Yeah, great. So she does film music, game music. Mm -hmm. And I had met her at my first music festival forever ago. Mm -hmm. And just coincidentally lives just a couple minutes away from us. And so she's who introduced me to all the game audio community. Mm. And she just wasn't getting the project she wanted and she was determined to do her thing. And she, she, she does, she goes out and she does it. And so she made her own game and then put new music to it. She learned an entirely new skill, mm. a complicated one. Mm and executed and did it. So now she's working on her second game. So maybe we'll, we'll see, have her it's on. Like, yeah, I would love to have her on because there's a lot of people say delegate, delegate, delegate. Yes, but what if you have no money, you have no friends? Yeah. You have to learn it or give it up. There's no other excuse. Do you care more about having a career? Because a lot of people come to me and they complain and I'm not trying to be mean or I'm not trying, I'm just trying to be firm. Like if you don't want to be a musician, if you don't want to have a career in music, it's okay to not do it. It's okay to it's have this as a incredible. Hobby. It's the it's best thing. Okay. So again, I've got some more students, um, potentially another one. So I, I have at least two running students, mm -hmm. thanks to your Juilliard, getting oh Juilliard my God, video. Dude, that's still the and gift now, that keeps on giving. And dude. now it's like I've turned it into I want to be able to spend more time with them, give them more honest advice. So now I'm doing the research for them. I'm applying to the school again. Mm -hmm. essentially is what it feels like giving advisement. And these students are great. They got a, they're in a great position to do so. With that though, they've, they've reached out. They've done a great step. They've gone out and found a mentor. Mm -hmm. Happens to be me for some reason. And we get to work <laughs> through these steps and kind of receive guidance throughout that process. Mm -hmm. And it's another set of eyes. Mm -hmm. And for something like this, that helps. Mm -hmm. so, because you miss things no matter what you miss things always and so it's good to have someone else in there be like hey the score you have great music you're presenting it in a bad way they're looking for this or these teachers are old they're not used to translating midi mm -hmm. they're of the last generation who never had to click in their own music mm -hmm. into their computer mm -hmm. other schools the teachers are 40 50 they had to do their own work in finale and sevalius these teachers don't they don't understand midi they don't get what you're doing mm -hmm. uh, all sorts of the other stuff everything that's extra musical that mm -hmm. needs to be considered so Having a mentor, just continuing with the mentor theme, is it's very different because it's somebody who's older who has done the thing mm -hmm. and they're not your parent. And it's different when somebody who isn't your parent it's says It's hard. No one wants to listen to their parents' advice. Nobody wants advice. to listen to their parents' advice. No matter how right their they are. Their parents, they're the fuckwads, man. They don't know what they're yeah. talking about. They know that. They're, they're, they're crusty. They've never been a kid before. They don't know what it's like. They don't know what it's like. Right? And Even, then I realize. Yeah. Dude, how did I get here? Because they were stupid and horny. Like that's literally, <laughs> that's literally it. So like, you just gotta, uh, you gotta like realize that. And when you get older, you do. 
But when you're in your formative years and you're being belligerent and rebellious and you just don't want to listen, a teacher or a mentor is somebody who's really a powerful force in your life to help kind of guide you back to the right direction. Because they have no skin in the game. They're not related to you. They don't care. Mm-hmm. They can lay the it out that they do, hard. though. Yes, they can lay it out way hard and be like, no, tough love. You need to hear this. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you like me. I'm not your parent. Mm-hmm. I'm just here to tell, I care about your progress. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. And that's kind of like where I feel like I'm transforming. I used to be the super goofy, like, oh, guys, music is awesome. But I'm getting frustrated too. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's because like there are too many people out here in this world being Disney about this music business. No. It's if sucks. you think it's, if it is unacceptable, if you think that you're going to make a living and you don't release any music. Good luck. And I'm trying to live my life by that. I don't think that, I think that it is so hard to even get in the door to some of these venues without any online content. You just need to do it so you can show people that you're serious about this. I'm seeing a lot of these, the bigger name film composers have since realized that even people who, if you're in the field, you'd, you'd recognize them like a Bear McCreary. He's, He's done tons of stuff, like started super young, Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of films. So he's he's got a whole operation. He keeps it going. And now I actually really like it. He releases these ridiculously corny, dumb videos. Mm. But they're hilarious. He's got it's it's brand identity. He writes so he produces himself. And it's something like what it's something we think about here, kind of the high quality, low quality. It's really honest. The joke is the joke. Mm-hmm. But beneath all of that, he's getting great promo. No matter how goofy it is, mm-hmm. um, you can tell it's him. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's unique, it's quirky, mm-hmm. and he has a presence. Mm-hmm. Now almost every major one of these, every major film composer, they're starting their own brand. A big example of this, just because he looks good, Brian Tyler does a lot of the superhero movies. He looks great. He's just, he's got a thing, was, you know, kind of the rock star vibe, but mm-hmm. he would, he goes out and when he's pitching these movies to try to get them, mm-hmm. he simply tr- goes in, he'd sink in a bunch of money on the pitch, which mm-hmm. not everyone can do. There are ups for that. There are downs for that. That's a whole another conversation. But when he walks in there and he's sitting, a, there's, there's the board of directors, literally, it's the director- <laughs> The you know editor producers the big money and they're trying to big figure out who's going to do the music for this mm-hmm. even if there's t- eight, ten people in there they're all the top ten they're all the names and they bring in their demo music oh here's something you know my intern cooked up or here's a two minute thing that you know it sounds amazing but he walks in and plays a video and it's him introducing himself wide ang- wide shots of him conducting an orchestra of that music him. Mm-hmm talking, doing a little uh, little biographical info over the music he's pitching with. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to choose? Ghostbusters. You're going to go with him because mm-hmm. of the, the promo material. Mm-hmm. And everyone would be like, oh, but is that really the music or really the art? If 10 people could do a great job at it, the, the baseline is music must be great. Mm-hmm. What's next above that? Yeah, you got all these people wanting to be violinists. You got all these people wanting to be cellists. 
but then they're all trying to sound like competition winners. But I'm like, you don't get it. This is, it's about marketing. If you aren't special in some way, nobody cares. Yeah. Another, That's why you need to go and get in an orchestra. Another, because like you have to figure out why people would choose you. What is your unique value proposition? Why are you different? Why are you special? Why should people pay you money as opposed to another violinist who sounds just like you, who looks similar to you? Maybe not. Maybe they're a girl. You know, and, and in that case, they may be even, they may, may want to hire them because they're going to get a male audience. Like, th- there's a lot more to this thing than just sounding good. Yeah. And that's the place to start, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not the end. Yeah, it's the base that I, I believe it was friend of the pod, violist, shout out, Jessica Meyer. Oh, yeah, of course. I think in one of her talks mm-hmm. and presentations, yeah. that's something she would would reference. Um, in that if you are trying to bring on a group to play with you on this gig, you need one, one violinist to fill this seat. The first 30 options you have could all do an amazing job at that. They could all do a great job. That's the baseline is being very good at your thing. You need to have it, but that it's just the baseline. You haven't gone up the rest of Everest. You're only, you've made it to base camp. Base camp at Queso Mountain. What are you going to do you, next? You're, you're climbing Queso Mountain. You're slathered in cheese. You know how you get out of Queso? You share your Queso with your friends. Hell yeah. Eat that Queso. And, and, and who are your friends that people you like spending time with? And <laughs> That's we, who gets the gig. That's who gets the gig if you're fun to hang out with. Like that's really half of it. It really, because then guess what? When you're not playing, you have to spend time with these people. And if you're just a mopey mess like I am, nobody's going to call you, mm-hmm. you know? So you have to also develop. And the, and the people that you work with can be incredible inspirations. They are, you, you have to approach life with the perspective that everybody has something to teach you. It may, they may not because be the, a better violist yeah. than you. But they have something, but they have that, can something that you can learn. It's Everybody do you find you yourself? That's one tricky thing. I need to, I have to remind myself. I'll catch myself sometime. The inner voice speak, like, oh, why, why, you know, why is this person telling me something? You know, but it's yeah. so, it's so true. When I'm just like, when I just think back, wait a minute, I barely know anything. I need to hear from these people with different experiences, non music school. One thing that really opens my eyes is simply working with other people. Our guest, former guest, Chris Hendricks on here, is part of my writing team. Why I bring him up, didn't have music degree, has had such a a different life, different amount of training, different experience. And he's incredible at lyrics and music in general. And his other friend did study music, Mm. different walk of life, Andre DiMuzio, friend of the pod incredible person, incredible musician. Some of the things he does, he blows my mind. When I walked in the room with fancy sheet of paper, they were just, wow, wow, wow. They are very impressed. These these two dudes just smoked me out. It was, mm. they they blew me up to Christmas <laughs> come. These guys are such, were such better musicians mm. than when I walked in there. Yeah. And we were conveniently able to work together because of these different backgrounds. But I learned on the daily from them. And even though they might be praiseworthy of me for fancy sheets of paper, mm. it's like I genuinely learn from them and observe from them. And no sheet of paper is, is going to change that. So just mm. being open and receptive to people with 
with these other types of backgrounds and just trying to work with them is just a great way to go about that. 100%. And it's also important. I I said something in the interview that I kind of want to elaborate on because Mike rightfully called me out on it. And it was like, you know, if you don't know where to go, learn music theory. And Hmm. I want to expand upon that. If you don't know how to make your own music and you don't play an instrument and you don't know a thing about music, I think I, I meant I was trying to create actionable steps, steps for you to like go from I don't know anything to I know how to do something. Right. I, I think that, yeah, if you want to make music, go ahead and make it see what happens. Mm. But if it doesn't sound good, sometimes it's helpful to figure out why it doesn't sound good. Right. One of the things that keeps creeping in to my mind, a, a benefit of that expensive sheet of paper so backstory for everyone, taught a lot of music theory. I taught mm-hmm. it at the Julia pre-college to the little Mozarts and taught it at the college level for, for two years beyond school. Taught it to little kids, six and seven, classroom of adorable little monsters who, you know. Had typhoid fever. They totally, they, they <laughs> literally would wipe boogers and then just rub it on me. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, you, you think got I, Mr. Bumgarner. Normally I would is- be joking. Yeah, that straight up happened. happened. They yeah, they blew their nose and they rub it on. These kids yeah. took me to Christmas town. Not nose kids, man. But actually, yeah. but but so I've spent a lot of time with theory, and one of your typical complaints if you've gone through the whole music school process is, oh theory, when am I going to use this? None of these rules matter anymore. Only all the time. This is the 15th century. <laughs> the the principles you learn in there, if you think about it. 95% of all music you're dealing with, particularly in the pop world or other worlds, is tonal. And that's what this is all about. I realized it was valuable. I, re- I realized music theory was valuable, particularly counterpoint. And then in a whole other aspect, ear training. Those are my two most valuable classes that I got mm-hmm. out of Juilliard, hands down. Hands ear down. training and counterpoint. Ear counterpoint, yeah. old, old, crusty counterpoint. If you think about it, working in theater, film, pop, you name it, most of that music is working with these same notes. It's working with these same systems. So I was able to walk in without any experience, at least, into these groups with people working on musicals. They play a song, it's not that dynamic. And I'm able to comment without knowing much about that field at that time. Oh, this song's, this melody's flat because you haven't, there's no apex here on this line. It's not as dramatic. You repeated the same thing three times, rule of threes. Do a little variation at the end. It needs to go somewhere. This one is, this particular song isn't as exciting because of how you went up to the resolution instead of down. Or you, this, in film, this moment feels too closed off. You should not have gone to the top, you know, like things like that. And these are little simple theory things. And even when you arrive to like a tonic, don't go to a perfect authentic cadence. Go to an imperfect. Go to a one six chord. That is is resolved, but not quite. It feels like you're not, it's like a, Semicolon. And then maybe when you get to yeah. the, the climax of this piece, you can do something special with this fragment yeah. to show this person's care, you know, character, character development transform. Mm-hmm. And we like music that evolves. It's not the same thing. Tell but stories. Where would you yeah. get that? Some people have arrived to it intuitively, mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. that intuition is a lot harder to develop and reach than yeah. if you had known theory. So yeah. what I tell people and I beg them to do, one, at least for all the, the younger Juilliard people. It's please practice. Two, please practice less. 
<laughs> so you should be practicing because it, it gets harder to practice when you're older. Mm-hmm. But actually practice less than you think. Take that hour less and for 50 minutes, go hang out with someone and talk. Go to a party and be social. That's all I did. And the, the uh, for did. that, all if, I did if was 50 party. minutes was go hang out and develop relationships, that's a that's probably a better investment if you've practiced three hours already. That fourth hour, probably not useful. No. Take that 10 yeah. minutes though and work on music theory. What? Do it because when you're even just from a practical standpoint, it's going to help you be a better musician. Bro. And it's one of those, yeah. it's a multiplier. It's it like is. you're in Guitar Hero. Yep. You, you've you you've got a lot of the notes in the row. If you want to hit that eight times multiplier, Bro. that is, this is an awful metaphor. Well, I, what about star power? We're using your, so music theory is your star power <laughs> in this metaphor. Because- I haven't played Guitar Hero in so because, long. Because, dude, what a great, what a, dude, I just played way too much Guitar game. Hero. Because what it does for you is it allows you to understand music. It's not, music theory isn't the science of music. Mm. It's the philosophy of music. You're learning how these things work. Music theory is the why. So from a technical standpoint, you'll be able to sight read quicker. You'll be able to hear things, audit quicker. You'll be able to play in tune better because you'll understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, from kind of a psychological aspect, knowing theory is an incredible tool in that you understand why something will be happening mm-hmm. and why why does this moment sound beautiful? Exactly. Theory can explain that. Yeah, it can. And the example I always use for music theory, when people say they always they always open up and they're like, learning about music theory, you know, now it's just boring. Mm-hmm. It's made music worse. And for me, that's not the case I at disagree. all. And I would disagree in that yeah. just knowing that a rainbow his light particles getting reflected and it's breaking up the color spectrum. Knowing that information does not Doesn't make the rainbow the, less any beautiful. Less, any and in less fact, wonderful. I think yeah. that the rainbow is more beautiful knowing about the water particles exactly. and the refraction of light. And just the natural beauty of this miraculous phenomenon, right? Yeah. I think that like when it comes to theory, I'm using it way more in my music and it makes me a better player Mm -hmm. because now when I'm learning a new piece, I'm looking at these intervals. I'm playing Hinrith right now. You recognize it. You recognize it. I'm like, oh, this is a tritone on a tritone on a tritone on a tritone on a tritone. So I can actually listen ahead as I'm playing and know what I it needs to sound like. You know how to tune it. You know why to tune it. Why to tune it. And whenever you're stuck and you're worried about, you know, your teacher says, you know, make an artistic decision. Make a choice. And it'll help it out. You yeah. can use theory to get to that To make point. choices. Yes, there's a moment in this uh, Brahms viola sonata where there's a, uh, uh, there's a, like a triplet sort of figure motive that kind of just moves. Uh, it's like every two measures, but what he does is he modulates down the half step every time. So he goes from G major to F sharp to F to E to E flat, mm-hmm. which is the key of the piece. It's it, he's doing a chromatic modulation over time, and so that should tell you everyone should get a little louder because you're getting closer to home. Yeah, my you teacher, start a little unsure, and then you get more sure of yourself over time. My teacher yeah. would always, my bassoon teacher, Michael Burns, he would always reference something like that. When you see a sequence, yes, you have to change on each step. Your yeah, elevation is changing. If you yep. think about it like a step, hype, yeah. With the addiction yeah. formula, it's changing you go up. Yep. You go, you go down. You mm-hmm. need to do something. Do not play it the same way. That's not what the music calls for. 
And unless I knew theory, I might not recognize it. Some of it, you might play it naturally that way. Yeah. But without it, it's it's not a guarantee. It's always chance. It's never, you want to take chance out of the equation and you want everything to, that you do to be fully intentional. And that's when you have power. That's when you can really engineer moments. When you uh. can engineer moments in music, that's when you can touch people who don't even know what you're doing, then you become the magician. I For, for composition, it's another big one because yeah. you come in there and people feel restricted. For that first year, if you're trying to use these rules, you're gonna be restricted. But that's because you, you haven't realized how they are as tools, not as yeah. systems. Yeah. For, yeah. for instance, you'd come in there, I know how these chords work. Oh, I feel restricted because this chord should always go here. Mm. These composers were not thinking about music theory. Well, no composer no. was ever thinking about music theory. But that doesn't discount theory. Theory is the why. It explains what why what they did works. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. And that's isn't that an incredible tool to then mm. look at other things and then break out break down how and why they work so you can you too can learn how to use the same things they do. Mm-hmm. And, and then you listen, once you know the rules, then you can break yeah, them. You can use them. You can break them. You mm-hmm. can alter them. You can use them to your advantage. So if you're thinking of film, yeah. if you need to do something kind of offsetting, but not too dark, you can use a perfect fourth. You know that it's a yeah. dissonance, but that it's not harsh. It's and more of an open, It's settling. And, and you can put other notes around it that make it feel settled mm-hmm. and part of a beautiful harmony. You mm-hmm. can do change other notes around it to make it feel more dissonant. Mm-hmm. And that's you can use that in in the narrative to support what you're seeing. And then there for, are modes. For people who have it. <laughs> oh, okay. And then there are modes and then that have all be, their let's own Let's be real. Languages. If it's a kid movie, yeah. Lydian. If it's every other movie, Dorian. And you're done. <laughs> it's 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 language. It. It's language. Yeah. Music and, is language. And theory, and theory is, are the is, words. Is theory, theory is... How yeah? How you structure the words? Mm-hmm. It's the grammar. It's the grammar. That's exactly yeah. what it is. We're gonna yeah. we'll crop that and make us look smart. Yeah. Um, grammar. <laughs> I use words good. I am a grammar Nazi. I I theory good now bad, <laughs> but the <sighs> music it's it's yeah, helpful in that dope. sense because it it doesn't make you automatically a better composer, better artist, a good friend, also friend and listener of the pod. Summerlin Simpson, great composer. Film composer, interesting person. She's really hilarious. We'll have her on sometime. Or She's always won't. asking about what you say. Or we won't. Or we or won't. Won't. This is it. This is a privilege. This is a privilege. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, get, we're we're nerding out super hard yeah. right now. We'll, we'll we'll pivot. Okay, yeah, we're cool, gonna pivot okay, so okay. we don't bet. I don't want to lose. We'll I don't want to lose up. the. Yeah, 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 we'll crop yeah, yeah. this up. But okay. for instance, she's always mentioning, oh, I want to know more music theory. And while I'm like, yes, that's good, but it is, it might not be the only barrier to yeah. you that might be preventing other types of things. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not a magic fairy dust that you can just sprinkle on. It's just something else to add to the tool chest. But essentially what might take someone without it a long time, either they need to stumble on it mm-hmm. or it's just intuitive. Again, intuition is hard to develop. It's gotta be all of it. If you have... Mm-hmm the theory in the tool chest, it can save you. It saves a lot of time. It's, it it now becomes an efficiency thing. No. When someone says, oh, I need to build this tense moment and then I want to release, I know what I can do already. I know it works. I have 10 things in the bag. I don't have to 
use full-on intuition to figure it out. When I hear someone's song and it's not quite 100% great, I can use these tools to fix them. It's a tool. It's a system. I know I've heard hundreds of pieces. I know the science behind, oh, you want something that sounds pleasant? This sounds pleasant. Mm-hmm. And you can pull from it, change it, make it your own. But you at least will have awareness of how these things work. It's like, it's also going to help you as a musician, especially when you are given ideas. Especially, mm. this is something that's been happening to me since I've graduated. I'm giving chord charts. Yeah. So, oh, here's a C major seven. I'm like, what the heck is a C if major you gave that seven? to most classical musicians, chaos. Chaos. They would be like, what do you mean? But if you do understand theory, you know, oh, C, E, G, B natural. You can at least... And then you make know you can make decisions. So you're like, oh, maybe I'll start my solo on B natural mm-hmm. and then go to G. And then maybe I'll titillize like the idea of, oh, titillize. I, I don't really know enough yet. I don't know what, uh, oh my God. That's mine. The, okay. I was supposed to say, I thought I was on silent and on airplane. Okay. Hi, I'm still recording with you. Oh, the car. Dang it. I totally forgot. Okay. Do you want to end it? Okay. Yeah, so I totally blanked out on it because we got well, one let me, just, let, me ju- let me just go. Let's stitch it. Yeah, let's stitch it. I'll just I'll just leave. Yeah, let's do a wrap up. We've been recording for yeah, yeah, we recorded a bunch. We're just going to do a wrap up. What what a great day, man! We had a lot of great conversation, uh, both with Mike and just synthesizing. Synthesis. I am synthesizing mm-hmm. information for new protocols. Must improve to human form, ultimate form. Looking for new orders, master. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. (laughs) All right, everybody. All right. Thank you so much for listening, guys. If you have funny memes, if you have funny stories that you want us to talk about, or if you just want to say hi and like ask us some questions, send us questions and all of the dank memes to fakingnotespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll feature you on the show. We will do it. We just haven't released any of the episodes yet. So you don't even know. We want to continue our challenge. Uh, Go on. Hit that five star because yeah. it's the only one that works. And then write, the maybe works. just write the most ridiculous comment. comment. You can't like put a narrative, a whole story. Yeah, like but getting we'll, middle end. We'll, we'll make it an improv exercise. So you start something and then we'll continue the story. That's we great. Reply. We're going to we roll reply. with it. We'll give you a shout yeah. out. Yeah, give All you right. a shout out. You know what? I think it's time to end. Okay. Uh, hey, I love you. I love you. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> nice. <laughs>